0: Welcome to the Generosity Now podcast, where we bring you inspiring stories of generosity and whole life stewardship. Our goal is to showcase individuals and organizations making a positive impact in our communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Eric Mose, president of the National Christian Foundation for the Rocky Mountain region, and I'm joined by my incredible co-host, Lori Bossert, VP in our office. Lori, how are you doing today?
1: Eric it's a great day. Um, little rainy outside here in the Rocky Mountains, but we're grateful for that rain. We always need it. Um, so we don't have those forest fires.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. and we're we're recording here in the middle of May and uh, the grass is starting to turn green. all the trees are starting to bud here. it's a it's a beautiful time to be here.
1: I just love those flowers.
0: So, Lori, we're um, we're jumping into a um, a bit of a mini series here on the Generosity Now podcast. Um, I was uh, in attendance of the C twelve conference, and for those of you who aren't familiar with C twelve, C twelve helps CEOs and executives collaborate and uh, the entirety of their business through its signature five point alignment matrix, continually evaluating and aligning growth strategies, financial stewardship, cultural development, and operations. Their rigorous, interactive curriculum empowers C12 members to dive headfirst into the challenges and opportunities of today's marketplace, and they, they they C12 does this as like a peer advisory group. So the idea is to have twelve peers sitting around the table um, with a with a coach trainer who's who's engaging them in. And walking them through different curriculum and pursuing, um, what does it look like to put God fully into the operations uh, of of business? And so last, uh, so so the interviews that we we have here was uh, their biannual uh, conference with over. This year they had over 1,300 uh, participants coming in from all over the United States, and actually there's folks from around the world that joined. And while we were there, I was able to pull some people away on the side um, and and do some great interviews. And, And you and I have now both had a chance to go and listen to those again, and so wanted to take some time and kind of reflect on what we've heard in some of those, um, in some of those episodes. So, so we're going to go ahead and hit play right now for the, um, for the interviews. And then we'll, we'll do a little follow-up, like what were some takeaways? And so, um, here we're going to enter in into a conversation with John Porter. He's the owner and founder of an organization called Masaka Creamery, and they are a yogurt company based in Rwanda. And I can't wait for you guys to, to hear his story. Hey everybody! Welcome back to the Generosity Now podcast. Coming to you from C12's current conference. Uh, we're actually on the last day of the conference, and we're just getting ready to wrap up. And um, my friend John Porter was was here, and we've interacted a bunch of times, and we've been trying to play text tag about, like, "Hey, when can we when we can we sit down?" So, John, thank you for coming and being part of the the podcast, and uh, it's so good to see you, bud. Great to be here. Thanks for uh, inviting me. Yeah. So, John, you um uh, you don't live here in Colorado. So, where are you coming from? Like, where did you where did you come in from? I flew in from
2: Southern California, Orange County, okay. uh, is is home for me.
0: Orange County, yeah. So uh, John and I got to know each other uh, a few years ago. We actually hiked the Maroon Bells four pass loop
2: together. Is that what we did? That's what we did. Yeah, I barely made it, and you were uh, you were out in front of the pack, so. I got thoroughly humbled, but it was a great experience. There was one point where I literally had the thought we got separated and it was, a, it was absolutely pouring rain. Yes. There was lightning, hail. striking hail all over the place. And I thought I could literally die out here. Um, and so my, what I say to my wife all the time is if you don't fear for your life at, at least once, it's not a real adventure. Yes. So it was a real adventure.
0: And yeah, my, my little guy, Elijah reminds me, um, um, adventure begins when the plans fall apart. <laughs> and he remembers that, like when our trucks broken down on the side of the road or something, you know, <laughs> he's yeah. like, no, this is when adventure begins, dad. So, yeah. you know, fearful of life. that that was memorable, right? <laughs> that, that hailstorm and lightning
2: storm, that was, that was something. So that was, it was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, um, and I, th- I think rule number one was don't get separated from the GPS emergency yeah, yeah, button. Yeah. And we got separated from the GPS emergency button. So yeah. I said, all right, here we go. Yeah. But I, I will
0: say, when I first saw you, you said, "Hey, when's our next hike?" Yes. So you know, at least at least it, it you, you still want to go out there. So <laughs> we're, we're going to get that done. Hey, um, we as I remind everybody here before, but on the but for John's sake too, on the Generosity Now podcast, we seek to inspire, equip, and connect our listeners for generous kingdom impact and whole life stewardship. And, uh, and so that's actually why I have you on the, on, on our podcast today because um, you are an entrepreneur um, and you're an entrepreneur that's, uh, one, you're, you're looking to buy a business uh, here in the States, but you also own a business in Rwanda. Yep. Um, and it is, uh, it is, to me, it's one of the coolest businesses that I know in Rwanda and, and around the world that's doing really, really neat stuff. And so I actually wanted uh, you to share with our listeners a little bit about um, that business and how the you, you, journey you took to get there and, uh, and then I'll, I, I've got some questions peppered around. There, but, but tell us a little bit about that. But before we do that, mm. give us a little bit more about, like, your family. You got a, you're married. You have a kid. Yep. Give us
2: a little bit of that, too. Yep. Born and raised Southern California, Orange County, City of Orange. Um, I'm married. My wife is named Bianca, and we just had our first child. His name's Casey. He's 11 weeks. Wow. And I almost didn't come to this conference because I couldn't bear to, you know, be away for, yeah. for too many days uh, in succession. But um, anyway, we got to do what we got to do, so I'm here. Okay. Um, but yeah, we are absolutely in love with him. Um, I became a believer when I was in high school, okay. and um, that was a big part of my college experience. I was a business major um, at USC in Southern California. But while I was at USC, I took a couple trips to the country of Haiti, and those trips really rocked my world. And I came back and said, you know what, if, if, you know, if, if kids are starving on the side of the road, like I saw in Haiti, how can I do anything else with my life? And so I made a big pivot and I said, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to go rescue kids. Um, and that's what I'm going to do with my life. Um, but God had a different plan. I had a, an experience with God in a parking garage. And he essentially said to me, no, 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 no. I've built you for business and you're going into business. Um, So I ended up in a consulting firm in downtown LA, got some great skills and training and eventually was able to put my love for the developing world um, and for business together by moving to Rwanda and joining um, a small American owned consulting firm. So I moved out there, did that for a number of years. It was supposed to be just a short period of time, but it ended up being about a decade living and working in Rwanda. And while I was there, I launched Masaka um, Creamery, which is the dairy processing business that I still um, still own and oversee, um, despite the fact that I live back here in the U.S. Wow.
0: Okay. And um, now, Masaka Creamery is, I've not been there. I was hoping to actually go this summer, um, the schedules didn't align. and. The U.S. passport system is like really messed up right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, U.S. government for saying that. But uh, if you're listening in, but like we put in for our passports and our boys aren't coming anytime soon. And so that's not going to work out. But um, one thing I hear about, and I've actually seen some videos about the the, the factory of Masaka Creamery is uh, it's, a, it's a very quiet factory except for an immense amount of laughter.
2: (laughs) That's absolutely, yeah, it's absolutely true. All right, so
0: but there's a uniqueness to that. So tell us why. Is it just because you don't allow talking there? What's going
2: on? (laughs) So Masaka is a unique business in the fact that we are a majority deaf company. So we currently have about 50 employees, and about 30 of those employees are deaf Rwandans. It's so
0: cool, and I hear they they rag on each other all day long, and that's why they're laughing. You hear you come in and you hear laughter and they're telling jokes and, oh, and yeah. things like that.
2: Yeah, they are the most um, joyful, life giving people I've ever met in my life. They're hilarious. They're constantly joking. Um, they love to have a good time. Yeah. Um, I think they're the they're the most wonderful community people yeah. um, in, in Rwanda that I've yeah. come across.
0: So uh, a lot of different need in Africa and Rwanda specifically. How did you land with the, with the deaf community and this, this yogurt company to buy?
2: Yeah, well, I was starting the business, and at about the same time I was, I was launching um, this um, dairy processing company. I was also um, involved with a rescue organization um, that was helping to support a woman who was deaf, and because she was deaf, and she wasn't only deaf, she was also languageless, or in other words, she couldn't read, write, speak, or sign. She really just had no ability to communicate with language in any form. Um, So that was really... Um, you know devastating to see and her life had been devastated by that she had five kids they were all malnourished I'm you know I'm sure she's known all forms of abuse and very sad situation so I'm building this company it just happens to be within walking distance of her home and I said you know I what I'd really like to do more than just continue to give this woman, you know, rice and beans and the things that she needs to survive is, um, give her the opportunity to, to live a dignified life. And I see employment and having a job and steady income and not just, not just being a taker, but being someone who can contribute something unique as key to, to that picture. And so I wanted to give her a job, but I realized that if I were to take her um, and just bring her into a business and surround her with people who were completely different than her in that respect, it would be no different than her current life. It'd be a little bit better, perhaps, you know, she'd be making money, but she'd still be completely marginalized and isolated. Um, so I said, you know, if I really had my, my wits about me, what I'd do is I'd go and find some other deaf Rwandans, including some who um, were fluent and conversant in sign language, and I'd hire those individuals, and then I'd bring her into that and allow her to engage with people like her and also kind of learn, you know, through osmosis, understand sign language over time just on the job. And then I said to myself, wow, that sounds like a great idea, but heck no, am I going to do that? Because it's hard enough to start a business, yeah. much less in Africa as a foreigner. And, you know, I don't need to make things more difficult for myself than they already are. So, why don't we revisit that in five to 10 years? And, um, long story short, um, God threw a barrier into the midst of the early development of this business, and um, it ground the whole process to a halt. And I was just about to make a bunch of hires in our production department when this, it was a dispute with our landlord, came out of nowhere. And um, after spending three weeks trying to resolve this dispute, I decided, hey, maybe I should pray about this. Um, I said, God, is this barrier from the devil or is it from you? And I just sensed him say really clearly to me, this one's from me. And I said, well, then what do I got to do to get this thing, you know, removed, to get this dispute resolved? And I just sensed him say really clearly, well, really, he asked, he asked me a question. He said, well, why'd you come to Rwanda, John? And I said, easy, First Samuel 2.8, to, uh, to lift the poor and needy up out of ashes and give them a seat of honor among those who are in authority. And I, I sensed him say to me, great, well, what are you doing about that? And it was a dagger to the heart. And I knew exactly, you know, it's one of those moments where, you know, he he says one thing, but you know exactly what he means. And I knew exactly what he meant. Hey, you need to to run with this idea that you have in your heart to hire um, the deaf. And so I said, okay. I'm gonna do that, went to my production manager, I said, hey, do you know any deaf people? And he said, no, I don't know any deaf people. I said, well, me neither, but all those people we were gonna hire, we're not gonna hire them anymore, we gotta find some deaf Rwandans that we're gonna hire. And bless his heart, he said, okay. And so we ended up getting connected to an American missionary she was working with a Deaf Church in Rwanda. I said, hey, do you know any, um, you know, young, deaf Rwandans who are in need of a job? And she said, yeah, all of them are. (laughs) <laughs> and I said, I, okay, I guess that makes sense. So she sent four individuals and they were um, the seed of what has grown into um, just a beautiful, flourishing um, tree uh, in our business. The deaf community, um, You know, I'll say when I made the decision, I thought it was me making a sacrifice, me making this business less effective um, in order to create impact, but it's been entirely the opposite. Um, and hi- hiring from the deaf community has been the best business decision we ever made. Wow. They're an incredibly competent, committed workforce. They love working in this environment. It's unlike any other environment, you know, that exists, I think in Rwanda from an employment standpoint, and they just do an exceptional job. I ran the numbers recently to see, you know, quant- to quantify some of yeah. what I experience and we experience on a, on a regular basis. And one of the, you know, numbers that, um, came out of that analysis was that, um, Turnover among non-deaf employees is 2.4 times higher than among our deaf team. So um, we just have have fallen into a great thing. I mean, it's a God. It was a God, God thing that we made so this good. decision. So he gets all the glory, and uh, and we're having a blast. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the origin is, story.
0: That is so good. That is so good. And it makes sense. Looking at it now, right, the the lack of turnover in that yep. group, right? They're now got meaningful employment where they're. Where they're 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 cared for, they're loved for, and they're appreciated for the work that they're doing as well. Yep. And so, oh, so good. Um, uh, you you had a you had a capital raise and that's how we got to know each other was through cause you have a uh, impact investment. You also probably has a private capital that also invested in that. Um, for some of our listeners, they might not be very familiar with that. We, we just had uh, Luke Rauch on earlier and talking about uh, impact investing as well. So, so maybe we got a little bit of information, but talk to that, talk to us about that for just real quick. And then also um, I know that you've been really generous about uh, allowing to like open up the plant for people to come and see the work and, 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 and see the fruit of the work and learn more about investing in business and doing it in in places where it's going to make a a meaningful difference. Um, And so talk about maybe how can somebody uh, learn more about the work that you guys are doing through with Masaka, maybe some future stuff you got going on and uh, how to connect.
2: Great. So last year we raised half a million bucks um, for to grow and scale our business. Um, That went really well. We were able to work with a couple incredible organizations, NCF was a huge part of raising that capital. Um, Talenton Impact Fund was a big investor, um, but we were able to raise, raise the money relatively easily, I think because Um, you know, we're operating that business in a, in a commercial capacity. We're looking to grow We're a leading yogurt brand in the country. And we think there's a lot of market share that we could continue to, um, you know, to grab. And there's a, there's a wonderful future for this business. And then when you layer in, you know, the impact that we're seeing in the lives of this wonderful community, I think it just is a really exciting prospect. So we raised half a million bucks. Um, You know, we're using that money on kit. We're using that money on vehicles and equipment. equipment, um, on marketing, on team. Um, So we're deploying that capital right now. It's going really well. Last year, we grew revenue 50% year over year. This year, we're on track to do that again. Um, So things are going well. That has everything to do with having the right team of passionate, committed leaders um, in the business. So I can't sing their praises enough. Um, My role at this point is more of an executive chairman. So I'm, I'm involved with the business, but my main job is really to to cheerlead and support the management team uh, in so doing what they do really well um, so that 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 was fantastic and we'll probably raise capital in the future okay. when it comes to that next you know leveling up stage yep. uh, dairy processing is pretty capital intensive so we we definitely need access to capital um, and i'll probably you know be calling you up when Perfect. you know when that time comes from a, from a visiting um, the facility and actually seeing what we're doing and interacting, um, you know, with our employees and this team, we're, we're open doors. Okay. Um, I think that one thing that's become really clear to me over the past really year or two is that um, I'm not just a steward of capital. I'm not just a steward of this business or of, you know, these these lives. Um, um you know, of the employees that we, we employ, but I'm actually a steward of the story of what God caused us to do and the impact it's made on our business. And, um, I've always kept a pretty low profile, but, um, I've decided, you know what, I need to, I need to, um, stretch myself a little bit and be more proactive about sharing, What's going on there, um, and Good. it's going to glorify God, and hopefully it'll encourage other businesses to get yeah. serious about hiring, um, you know, unique people groups yeah. like the ones that we have the pleasure of working with. So I to um, jump in there real quick. Yeah.
0: Like we talk about this on the on in my blogs that I write and on this podcast, stewardship of your life, your labor, your influence, your finances, and your expertise. And you have really leaned in heavily on, on, on all of those, actually. So, praise God. <laughs> yeah, trying and, to. And um, the aspect of the influence, like this, we're opening this up to also, like, you're opening this up to business owners or dreamers that would say, hey, like, what would it look like if I started a business here? And, and, and maybe we change some of the methodologies of um, there's a place for pure charitable giving. I believe that to be true. But there's a lot of things that pure charitable giving are not going to fix, and it requires business, it re, em, employment, and things like that. So love that you're you're willing to, to, to be that example too. I hear them starting to clap. We're going to be get flooded with a bunch of people. So <laughs> hey, if somebody wants to get
2: in touch with you or see something like how, how 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 they can they best get in touch with you, John? Sure, our brand is Masaka Farms, so they can visit MasakaFarms.com, M-A-S-A-K-A Farms.com. Uh, my contact information is there. Um, we'd love to, you know, hear from ev- anyone who's inspired or interested or wants to pay us a visit or, um, just, just chat. So, um, open door policy. Perfect. Hey, thank
0: you so much for the time, John. Really, really appreciate it. Praise God for the work that you're doing and, uh, love to see how it continues to grow.
2: Thanks for having me. Wow. That was,
0: that was such a great, uh interview to listen to John it's he's been a a good friend I actually got to spend a few more days with him shortly after I recorded that at an event uh down at Glen Erie and in in Colorado Springs and and we got to reflect some more on it but but Laurie what were some key takeaways that you heard in John's story and that he was sharing with us
1: John just amazed me that he went through a process as he was opening this creamery and learning what he could do um, in Rwanda that he had heard from God and he had heard specifically from God who he wanted, who God wanted to be working in the creamery. Um, John, this this happens to all of us, that we have friends that influence us, sort of like Job, that's always not the best influence. Mm-hmm. And John had some pressure um, to try to get things moving forward. And yet that wasn't exactly what he had heard from God. And God stopped things in the tracks. And John heard that and saw that and really checked his spirit and went back to knowing, even this is crazy, just like Noah building the ark, I'm going to do what God has asked me to do, and he followed that. And because of that obedience, God has just created this organization to flourish, helping people, helping those deaf people that get to work there. What a story. What a way to, Hmm. to just reflect on God and how... When we follow, he produces
0: yeah, absolutely no that that was that was something that absolutely stood out to me as well uh, you know he he, he kind of you know asked God what do I do need to do God to make this work right and, and and he's like, I could hear God say, what did you come to Rwanda for for Samuel 2 eight uh, to to lift the needy out of the ashes and to give them a seat of honor and he said and God's like, what are you going to do about that?" And it just hit him. Uh, it just hit him square in the face. And so, uh, I love how he then took action, though, right? So, like when he heard from God, he then took action. And so, uh, he went to his friend and he says, "Hey, do you know any deaf Rwandans that need a job?" And 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 they're like, "Yeah, they all do.
1: They all do." <laughs> uh,
0: so good. And so they then went on a mission to to find some deaf Rwandans to bring into the business.
1: And it w- didn't take long. Almost immediately, he had four just to start the business, and that's what he needed. And God provided very quickly for him.
0: Yeah. I also thought, found it was really interesting how he said that, you know, I thought that I was going to make by by doing this so I was going to make the business a little less effective, um, and he said he was so so wrong. Um, they have actually having the deaf for one and actually been they've done an exceptional job. Turnover of the non-deaf employees is two and a half percent higher than our deaf employees, and so just the um, the fact that focusing on this unique people group was actually produced um, a, a net business benefit. And he was able to do that. He was able to um, to give an opportunity to not just be takers, but an opportunity to contribute something uh, in a unique and key way. And it's, it's a beautiful story.
1: Well, and the dignity he shows in being able to give these people jobs that they can now provide for their families and themselves. What a great gift. What a great gift.
0: Yeah, you know something else that stood out to me was um, the impact of going on a mission trip. Though when he was in college, uh, he talked about going on a mission trip to Haiti and how um, seeing the starving kids on the side of the road it really made an impact on his life. And he he thought um, he thought he was going to go and and, and become a, a missionary, become you know go into a formal you know pastoral ministry of some form. And 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 again he heard from God and he said, no, I've I've made you for business.
1: Eric one of the things though that we often we separate these things business and ministry John is doing ministry he is doing ministry through a business he has people that he is changing their lives each and every day by the employment and by what he is doing that's ministry
0: Oh yeah, hundred percent. Ministry in the workplace, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, I heard uh, a, another speaker actually at C twelve who actually said that. Um, he says, "I believe that the marketplace has an unfair advantage um, over the church as it as it relates to making disciples."
1: Because of the time quantity that they all spend together, it's a gathering that is already right there. What an opportunity we have to be able to live out our faith with those people day in and day out.
0: Absolutely. You know, the last thing that that really stood out to me um, was, and we talk about this on on the Generosity Now podcast, but uh, John kind of finished his time by saying, you know, I'm not just a steward of capital um, or of the business. "...or of these lives, the employees, but I'm also a steward of the story of what God has caused us to do and the impact that He's made on our business." And his desires, he says, I hope that God would use the story to influence other business owners, to impact other unique people groups. And I love that kind of desire, that push that he wanted to have. And so, um, hopefully, that 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 this conversation has done just that. Um, John gave us uh, an open invitation, right? Gave you an open invitation to travel to Rwanda and go see his business, or to 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 have some conversations with him. And so, um, we're going to provide his information in the in the show notes. And so, feel free to connect with John Porter and the work that they're doing. Doing at Misaka Creamery. Hey, Lori. We're now going to listen to the interview I did with Caleb Breakey. You know, as I mentioned in the interview, what what really stood out to me with Caleb and the work that they're doing at Renown Publishing is. Um, is doing those things that we actually talk about here um, on the Generosity Now podcast and that whole life stewardship, stewardship of our, our labor, our influence, our finances, and our, our expertise. And they're working to to capture the uniqueness of story for families and to uh, use it to transfer to the next generations. And so it was such a great time. Uh, Lori, what stood out to you in that conversation?
1: Eric? A story just affects your heart. And when we have those emotions connected to that story, it impacts us more. We actually are able to personalize it and learn from it. We process the values that we hear in the story and we learn from that story what we want, you know, those values that we are learning. It's so much easier to process a story than being told what we should be valuing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I remember uh, Caleb said that values can be caught, um, and not taught and to do that through story is, is so
2: very powerful.
1: Right. And the amazing part about this publishing idea is that means the matriarch and patriarch can actually pass those stories down in written form for generations to come that the generations, they hear the stories And they know them, but then they can actually go read them. And that's the part that is just so neat because it gives the roadmap for the family for generations to come of what grandma and grandpa, you know, had told them. And it just continues that legacy on for years.
0: Yeah. As I I even also mentioned in the, you know, in my conversation with Caleb was, you know, like, I see this right now, like how my my father is wrestling with story and to get his story told for future generations to know. Um, it, it's it's not the story about him and my mom per se. It's actually the the story of the redeeming work of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he he desperately wants that those values to be transferred to the next generations and, 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 and following. And yet, you know, because he's, he's dealing with Parkinson's and things. It's like hard for him. I, I, I mentioned, I tried to introduce him to story worth and, and that was an easier way to do it, but it requires him to be thoughtful about how he wants to tell the story. Where, um, whereas uh, the work with Caleb, they're kind of doing these interviews and they're helping craft that story. And so I'm going to try to actually connect my dad with them and see if, uh, see if, uh, one of these, uh, published books can, could come, Together, that'll help him. You know, he he said that. Uh, Caleb said that history informs, but story transforms. And I know that that my father has that desire. And I and I know that as we we talk with other givers, we see that type of desire, right, for their story to be told. But yet, it's a daunting task to sit down and think about, hey, I'm going to now sit down and behind a computer and write write the story of our life and get the right high points and low points and and all those things.
1: Right. God truly gifts us with different gifts. And these are people, this organization just provides that opportunity for those of us that aren't gifted to be able to put those words on paper. And it's a gift. It's a gift to generations to come.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's also interesting. I can also see it you know, um, it being a gift for the storyteller, as he was mentioning, doing, walking their, um, family member through this right now and how like three sessions in, he started crying as he was thinking about seeing sometimes the, those dots don't get connected until you start time telling the time, taking the time to, to tell the story. And so, uh, just think it's a beautiful thing. And so, uh, so if you're, uh, you, you want to know more about Renown Publishing, um, we, we went ahead and put their information in the, in the show notes, please feel free to, feel free to reach out to Caleb and their team. And, and uh, maybe, uh, maybe your story needs to be told or a family friend or somebody else, you can point them to uh, Caleb Brakey and the work that they're doing. Hey everybody, Eric Most here with the Generosity Now podcast, coming to you again from the C12 conference, and uh, again on the Generosity Now podcast, we seek to inspire, equip, and connect our listeners for generous kingdom impact and whole life stewardship. And I literally was just in the hall, and I met this guy, Caleb Brakey, uh, and we, we got talking about. He he's the owner 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 of Renown Publishing. And the work that they're doing is so, so important and vital for transferring legacy in a really unique way. And so I just wanted you guys to hear a little bit about it. We'll have Caleb come back on the show later, and we'll do a much more in-depth of what they're doing. But just a quick little little uh uh, overview, Caleb. Where are you coming from? Not today, but normally. Like, where do you where do you live? Family, and then tell me about um, Renown Publishing.
3: Yes, so long time, Washington County resident. That's uh, north of Seattle, a okay. town called Bellingham, Washington. I was a sports journalist. Thought that's what I was going to do. I got to cover the New York Yankees for a year for MLB.com, and God said, "Nope, you're going to write and use your pen for me," and that. Uh, took me and my wife, who's also a writer, on a long journey of writing books, publishing traditionally, and then getting the call to help others steward their stories. So uh, through Renown Publishing, we're just passionate passionate about helping people steward their stories and their legacies. Uh, We believe that
0: story is the most powerful way to uh, carry values forward. That's great. So, um, uh, you were telling me a little bit of how you do it. I'm going to tease this out just a little bit. Um, uh, you were describing, and I'm like, oh, like. I took my my dad and my my father-in-law through a thing called Story Worth, which uh, is a really neat like easy way to do this. It's like low technical, and uh, you send an email and they respond to it. And that's that's one level of getting stories told. But the way that you guys tell story is truly, hopefully, generationally life-transformative. So how do you guys go about it? Oh man, it is. It's just like this. It's us
3: talking for anywhere from 20, 25 hours. But it really comes down to just an hour a week, and when you create a safe place, which is what our company does. We create a safe place to talk and ask questions. Uh, And you'd be surprised, very few of us have actually told and unpacked our story from beginning to end. Not the boring parts, like we we really hit the highs and the lows, and we look at someone's story the way Hollywood looks at it. You cut the boring parts, you hit the highs and lows, and and it's almost uh, incredible that all of us have lived a very... I would say formulaic story that's Mm. incredibly unique. Mm. And in that story is something incredible that God has done in you and through you. And most people don't know it. And uh, we are we're, happen to be going through this process right now with my wife's uncle. Okay. And within three interviews, he was crying because he was talking about his daughter who died in a car accident for the first time really. Wow. And unpacking what that meant and uh, how it changed him and his family. And it's just this beautiful process. You know, I, I start by telling people I'm a storyteller, but really that part of it, that's why I do what I do. Wow. Because people feel seen, heard, and understood for the Mm -hmm. first time, including to themselves, Mm. which is just, I mean, you see guilt, fear, and shame come out, put on the table, and all of a sudden Jesus is redeeming things that they didn't even know were there.
0: Wow. Wow. So, uh, you do this, you-, you described it to me as like a white glove service that you do for families or t- really trying to think about transforming family values to like the next generation, multiple generations. Um, 25, 30 hours of interviews. Uh, you guys then publish a-, a book or something. Is that, is that right? Yeah. The whole goal is we want
3: each family member to have a beautiful heirloom box mm. inside that box is a nice, leather-bound book. That is the authentic story. Yeah. And we want that story to to be authentic, real, transparent, and it's really not there to teach. Yeah. It's there to carry values forward through stories. So it's just the story of your life yeah. and it's it basically is like leaving gold coins for future generations mm-hmm. so that those values that have been so important to you that God shaped in you, they can be caught and yeah. not taught mm-hmm. to the next generation. Because I think we all know if we remember what it's like we don't, we don't respond as well when someone's teaching us something. But tell us yes. a story yeah. and we get there on our own. And yeah. all of a sudden it sticks. Yeah. And that's what we want to see happen from grandma and grandma down to dad and mom, down to the next generation. And imagine a grandkid being able to open up your story mm. and it's not just history history yeah. informs yes but this is a story that's transformed they yes. see themselves in your story
0: and mm. mm. so good and I, I would say like today we see i don't more and more disconnected from family history right as well and so this is a way that you're able to really do that and 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 hopefully in in your mind, you know, you're here at C12, uh, part of CEF and other groups like that. So you're thinking about the the transformative power of also the redemption story that's, that's threaded through these. Is that kind of is that primary in your in your conversations or? I mean, absolutely. It's we believe you need to start at the,
3: the broken place. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, our stories are really like the the redemption story. It's creation, fall, mm-hmm. redemption, mm-hmm. new creation. Mm-hmm. We all go through that. Yes. Our deepest, darkest hurts, uh, failures, that's what points to the savior. Wow. That's what points to the redeemer. And we have got to a point in society where we almost have this false humility where we're like, no, I'm not gonna tell my story. It's about God. We, and mm-hmm. we say that, we like to say that it's about God. It's like, well, if you really wanna make it about God, Tell tell the way he redeemed you. Mm. Yeah, that does mean you may have to talk about your alcoholism. Mm-hmm. You may have to talk about your bipolar. You may have to talk about the fact that you had four marriages. I don't mm-hmm. care what it is, but yeah. Jesus redeemed it. Yes. And and if you share it, someone else is going to see themselves and go, you know what? I think I think I'm going to give this Jesus guy a shot because uh, if he can help if he can help them, I'm going to I'm going to raise my hand too. Yeah.
0: So good. So good. Well, Caleb, thank you so much. Hey, if somebody wanted to, they're like, holy smokes, like I've I've been wanting to do this for my family. Like how do they get a hold of you? Like what's, what's the best way? You know, go to renownedpublishing.com. Check out uh,
3: the website. Email me. It's just Caleb at renownedpublishing.com. And I would love to chat with you and and talk about uh, my own story. You know, I grew up in a very robust family, 50 to 75 people at Christmas and Thanksgiving And uh, when my grandma and grandpa died, the whole family shattered. Wow. And um, Mm -hmm. and a part of it is we kind of take for granted what we have now, but if we don't codify, if we don't point to what made us who we are today and why that's important, if we don't carry forward those values, um, some really beautiful things can break very quickly. what I want to see for the listener is to, to put as much time as attention as we put into estate planning, wealth transfer. Think about the most important things that you want to transfer
0: and start start unlocking your story. Mm, so good. Well, thank you so much, Caleb. We'll get back together again. We'll do a more robust one. Love to hear some more stories that maybe you could share. You could white label them for us. But here's some stories that of impact and, and, and get to know each other a little bit more. So thank you so much for take, taking the time today. Are you kidding? Thank you, Eric. This has been a blast. You got it. All right, bud.